Welcome to the Zen Business Podcast, where we explore philosophies and practices for experiencing a more fulfilled and joyous life as a business owner, executive, or entrepreneur. And welcome to episode 35 of the Zen Business Podcast. My name is Simon Bell, and joining us today for the second time on the show is marketing genius, the founder and CEO of Me Media, Mr. Chris Hogan. In this episode, we explore the world of market research, which is stage two of Chris's proactive marketing methodology. We discuss how effective research can help you gain market share and even dominate your industry. Chris shares some simple but highly effective tools and techniques to generate a greater return on your marketing investment. And we also reflect on the recent months and discuss what marketing lessons have been learned from the COVID pandemic. All this and a truckload more on episode 35 of the Zen Business Podcast. Enjoy! Chris, welcome back, buddy. G'day, mate. How are you? I'm really well, really well. How are you? Oh, I'm excellent, mate. Oh, sorry, I probably blew your ears. Uh, a little bit excited. <laughs> okay. A little bit excited to be back. I, I knew you were on, so I've turned these right down. Because <laughs> God only knows where we go on these podcasts, that's for sure. Ooh. Mate, a lot's happened since we last caught up. How are you, uh, how are you finding the market at the moment? Mate, the market is, uh, is obviously a little bit sketchy. Uh, you know, there's, there's certain industries that are doing really well. And there are certain industries that have absolutely had to take a hike, and uh, mm. and and man, I feel I feel for those guys. We've got family, friends, extended family that uh, you know have been impacted in the hospitality industry, and and dude, oh, it's hard. And it's really hard for me to stand here and actually say, hey, we're all right. Mm. You know, um, we're doing well. Um, that's not to say we didn't didn't take our own version of a hit. No, of um, course. But uh, you know, we we actually. Yeah, we're feeling really good. We're stoked. Yeah, it is. It's it is one of those challenging situations and scenarios, especially when you support other small businesses or small to medium sized companies. You see those that are really suffering and and those that are doing exceptionally well. And um, and there is, and I know for myself, there's been that. Um, you know, wow, what is the difference between the two? You know, what other than the industry specific examples like hospitality and travel, which has had direct effect. But one of the things I definitely have observed is, uh, and I've been sharing this with as many people as possible, uh, when you're having record months or you're having great months in times like this, it's really a testament to the hard work that you've put in, you put in prior to this taking place. Look, it, I'm still here, man. I feel extremely lucky and grateful to be here. Um, I think in the GFC was was the test. Mm. You know, I feel I felt like coming into this. Uh, I, I'd been in training for this for my entire career um, and the entire journey in me media. You know, both from a professional uh, business standpoint and also from a personal standpoint. Mm. You know, building mental resilience in in tough times outside of the pandemic actually equipped me with the the tools to get through this. So. Uh, turning up positive to work, you know, inspired the team. Yeah. You know, the days that I wasn't, you know, that they were okay with that because the pr- other days were, you know, just just awesome. So, um, look, the GFC was the real litmus test uh, for us, mm. and we discovered that in that period, it was, you know, that we were we copped it harder during that period because we were siloed in a specific industry. Mm. So, this time round, uh, we. It was my goal 
uh, since the GFC to diversify us across multiple industries. And that actually worked. You know, one of our clients did you know, forcibly get shut down by the government later in tourism. Yeah. And, and so, look, that, that was, you know, we, did, we were impacted. We did have to lay somebody off. And uh, look, t- tough decisions, man. It sucks. It's never easy. Uh, but never easy. No, no. But, you know, making those decisions early uh, equipped us to be here right now, like telling, telling some good stories. Not all rosy, but... No. No, and, and if you're listening or watching this and you, you've experienced some tough times and, and, and um, you know, you're, you're struggling through this, you know, my heart is heavy for you. And, and this is a good opportunity to, I think, to reflect on what's worked, what was missing. I know that there was external circumstances that, um, you know, that, that shocked a lot of people. Uh, and that has taken people by surprise. But like you said, there was a really, that's a great point that you just made was that you've, you've been through the GFC. So you, you did some preparation. You learned from that experience to prepare yourself for something, you know, for the future. None of us could have predicted what that future was, by the way, but I think it's a great lesson to take away, uh, whether you've, regardless of how you've experienced this to now take stock and say, right, what systems do we need to put in place moving forward? How do we prepare for this? What's our cash flow like? Actually look at the fundamentals of, of business best practice you know, to prepare for any potential scenarios in the future moving forward. I think it's a great opportunity for, for learning. 100%. And look, working to have a distributed workforce or a remote-first workforce yeah, totally. has been something that we've had remote contractors forever and a day, but... Uh, when your core team is also remote that you're used to seeing in the office every day, then your systems properly get tested. And look, we had we definitely had to uh, scurry and, and, and improve our systems around that. And now we're implementing even stronger systems for the future so yeah. that uh, we can be proactive in, in, in that manner on those systems and working with a remote-first workforce, which is the new norm, right? Yeah. And proactive, that's a great segue into what we're going to cover off today. So uh, today we're going to expand on the proactive marketing framework, proactive being an acronym. And maybe for those that didn't catch episode 30, we could start with a quick recap. Yeah, sure, mate. Well, Mimid is a content marketing agency who over the last 20 plus years, we've developed a proven proactive content marketing method. And we serve to uh, help seven to eight figure plus businesses uh, achieve smooth, reliable, sustainable growth by building brand on purpose. So that is our purpose, building brands on purpose. Mm-hmm. And when we help our clients do that, they, they start to achieve these, this sustainable and reliable growth. And uh, some of the curves that we've seen over this time uh, by implementing this method and not backing off, not, not, uh, not uh, running in fear, um, has been absolutely amazing. Um, to be honest, those that stayed in the marketing and did, did, you know, implemented our method over this time have seen amazing results when others just, just you know, ran and hid. So. Yeah, so what you're saying there is that those that, that stayed true to their purpose and, and, and were focused on being proactive, regardless of the circumstances, you know, that the, con, the, the con, what I'm hearing in that is the content might have changed. In other words, the actions that they took might have varied or altered to adapt to the market. But those that stayed true to their purpose, stayed on, um, on point or stayed proactive, you know, have come out the other side, you know, ahead of the game, ahead of the pack, really. Absolutely. And we just, we hope that will continue 
we we don't have a crystal ball. Nobody the, does. The, no. the, the funding in Australia, you know, uh, it, it runs out in September. Um, so we can expect, you know, inconsistency again then. But as long as we're prepared for that, then and, and we we remain proactive. I think I think the majority of us will be fine. All right, awesome. So let's have a look at the R in proactive, which is research. Tell us about that. In research, we basically we don't want to operate in a vacuum. Okay, when we're actually coming up with our ideas for our campaigns, you know, our products, our services, our benefits, how to differentiate ourselves in the marketplace. If we focus on building something without being market led, then essentially we're going to come out with something that that potentially is is either unusable, the market doesn't want, you know, it's it's a completely saturated market, it's a boiling red ocean, for, mm. you know, to borrow the term from Blue Ocean Strategy, you know. So we have to do our research, and we don't do this. If we don't do our research, honestly, we're we're we're, we're flying in the dark, and yeah, and and so we have a. Another acronym that sits under research, a process that has to be implemented every time with our clients, and that is probe. Nice. So we probe That's the market. Not... <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Probably could have come up with a better acronym, but I think it's funny. That's right. Um, bend over market, we're coming in with a thermometer. You yeah. went there. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Sorry, time mate. for the oh, probe. You know <laughs> That's right. So... P in probe stands for basically phrase, okay? So determining what the key phrases and search terms are that people are typing in to find your product or service. Now, in 2010, Google implemented the not provided uh, you know, little feature where basically they were taking away the ability for webmasters to be able to see what keywords people are typing in to find your website. Oh, wow. And, you know, over the time, we went, you know, it, it went to 50%, and now it's sitting at 97% of keywords are not provided So through organic search. But, of course, Google has this amazing tool called AdWords, which allows you to have a bit more insight into what people are actually typing in. I'm sure they're still keeping some data from us. But when we implement AdWords, we can actually see what search terms people are typing in to trigger our ads and what they're typing in when they actually click on our ads. What, and those triggers could be bad things too. We might actually find, wow, those words that we're using in our advertising mm. or our landing pages are actually triggering these ads and we, don't, we do not want people you know, uh, for those search terms. So you implement negative keywords and whatnot. Plenty of people say AdWords is not the only way. And 100%, there's more than one way to skin a cat here. So there's other tools out there on the marketplace that can tell you what people are typing in to find your website or, or uh, trigger an impression okay, great. On, on the Google search engine results pages for your website. And, and they, they're like Keyword Hero, SEMrush, Ahrefs, uh, and, and, and whatnot. So... The only problem with a lot of these tools is that they tend to be old data. So I guess there must be some, I've never looked into this, but I guess there must be some caveat that they don't get the same insight or up to the minute insight that Google gets. 
right? They have to either wait for the data or they pay for the data, I'm not sure. Um, but essentially, most of that data is old, sometimes months old. And that doesn't help us when we're, we're trying to, you know, be innovators and stay ahead of the curve. So we yeah, want especially in a, in a changing environment, like a rapidly changing environment, like we're experiencing at the moment where things are changing week to week. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for example, we had a call from our client yesterday, you know, one of them did turn their AdWords off and you know, the ones that didn't, holy cow, J curves, yeah, right? right? Cause everybody else turned their AdWords off, spent exactly the same amount of money and saw increased clicks for the same amount of money because the cost per click went, ex went down extremely because there was no competition. Everybody pulled out, <laughs> Jacobs. Those that got out, some had to, that's fine. They, they're flying blind right now. They don't know, they've seen an uptick in their, SE, in their Google Organic because to be honest, I'll give ourselves a plug, our method is so strong that they're sitting absolutely in a very beautiful place organically. But they still don't know if they're missing out yeah. via, via you know, other people running ads. So they ask us, should we turn it back on? We're like, look, we're seeing upticks over here. Yeah. We should turn it back on so we know. And, uh, and therein lies a segue to the next letter in probe, <laughs> uh, which sits under research, uh, is R is for right now. So... Right now is, you know, it's, it's actually a, I guess, probably the, the, the lengthiest segment of, of this uh, research uh, part of the model. And we want to know what's going on in the market right now. So we look at uh, things like Google Trends. Yeah, Google Trends historically give us amazing 2020 vision. In fact, um, if you've never used it before, you can plug in a search term and you can see whether or not it's trending up or whether it's trending down or whether it's just stayed level and, and you can go back years. So I actually went back and saw what, uh, what good old uh, Blackberry, you know, uh, looked like in, in a trending term. So I'm referring to my manuscript from a book here, actually. That's all um, good. So, you know, it was really scary. And, and, and basically in, uh, you know, in October, 2008, they were trending up like big time, you know? Uh, I bet you they thought they were on a real winner. Mm. And then it was in, you know, then it was by about, um, I'd say about 2012, here looking at this graph, they, they started to trend back down. So, uh, and, and it's, so it's just an up and a down. <laughs> and it actually looks a lot like the innovation adoption curve. You yeah, know? Right, the bell curve, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So Yvette Rogers uh, calls it the innovation adoption life cycle. And you've got innovators, early adopters, early majority, uh, late majority and laggards. Mm. So where do we exist right now, you know, in the marketplace, uh, competitively, you know, consumer understanding, uh, search terms, do people even know that these searches exist? I think what happens, it's it's amazing being in business for a long period of time because you, you start the, you see so many trends where in the early days I was trying to sell e-commerce websites. Yeah. Right. We still do them now, but back then people didn't even know what e-commerce was. I walked into boardrooms, people didn't know what a website was. 
you know. Like, <laughs> I, I think we were, you and I were working together at that stage and we, we had to actually convince people to have a website, right? We have had those times even <laughs> many years after the, the first experience. So, uh, look, it is pretty amazing that, that those problems exist out there. But so where is the adoption? Are people adopting these? And generally that can be found in the likes of Google Trends, right? So uh, these couple really well mm. together. And they also help you identify whether you've got a strong active audience, people actually searching for this stuff, or if you're predominantly talking to a dormant audience. Yeah, right. Now the opportunity always exists for growth in a dormant audience. There's always gonna be more people sitting there that need your product and don't even know it yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. But how far along are we and in what industry are we working in, for example, like it can differ so much. So innovation adoption lifecycle, Google Trends. Blue Ocean Strategy also have what's called a value innovation strategy canvas. And, and they use this amazing, well, not amazing, it's quite simple, right? Uh, graph to basically peg out each, each feature and product and service, right, across, across the x-axis and the value, high or low, across the y. And when, when uh, Apple, when you actually compare Apple as iPad in, in this particular you know, case to other tablets that already existed in the marketplace at the time, you know, using that, that uh, value innovation strategy, they basically you know, just went, okay, uh, speed or operating system, you know, amount of mega, mega, amount of mega RAM or you know, performance and all that sort of ease of use, you know, were, were products or were features of the specific iPad product. And they went through uh, access to upgrades, access to plugins, you know, access to extra apps and stuff like that. Oh, wait, it's awesome in terms of like the app store capability, right? You know, plug in any feature you like. Um, so, you know, they basically just went bing, 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 and differentiated themselves completely in the market by just either raising, eliminating, or reducing, or creating new products or, or features within that existing product. And that's a great way of looking at a company as well and term, determining their Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, awesome, Chris. There's some absolute gold in there, absolute gold. And I especially like the, the, the piece around the dormant market and how much of the market that if you're listening or watching this, you know, how much of your market needs your product or service, to, but they just don't know they need your product or service. And so often we find people marketing to those that already know, like we're kind of fishing from that pond as opposed to educating and, and getting out there into that, like you said, that dormant market to be able to expand the existing active market. It's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So that's the R for probe, the O. Oh, oh, it's for opinion. Does anybody else have an opinion or viewpoint on this? So competitive research, case studies, stats, you know, stats from research companies, um, competitors. I, I have this saying, I probably borrowed it from someone to be perfectly honest. Um, <laughs> you know, no, no idea is original, but uh, you know, you're, you're all, it's always right when somebody else says it, but it can be wrong when you say it. So it's, it's about people's trust. And so if you have an authoritative figure, like a research company putting out amazing statistics on what it is you're trying to sell, then using those, using that research and those stats, you basically prop up your own mm. argument. So fantastic resources. And they help to convince people that, you know, you're not 
off on some tangent and and uh, lost your brain, especially, you know, it, it, it's a perfect case with us. You know, when I start talking purpose to people, it's still a new term, you know? So uh, the research that's, that's come out in the last few years, uh, you know, while we were a couple of years actually into this specific purpose part of our, our method, it was, it was great to see the research come out. It was great to see your gut feel actually like come through and uh, and that's what those those research studies can do. Competitors, like I say, you know, if if they already have an opinion on this, on this topic, for example, they're strong. They hold a sh stronghold in the market of of great Google rankings. You know, great brand awareness, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Right, boiling red ocean, maybe, or is it just one standout? Mm. Yeah, and then uh, that that happens the in the opinion. You know, who's got an opinion? Yeah. Okay. Does that so that what I can hear in that is is the building of credibility to your message. Um, does social proof lie in this opinion piece, or is that somewhere else? Of course. So there there can be on the competitors. So in fact, I've just been doing some research recently on on a new product we want to bring to market in Australia. Now, mm -hmm. the internet's a beautiful thing. Social media is a beautiful thing. Of course, I've been do, I've been searching and, and doing my research around around this you know product features and what this product actually is and lo and behold i get targeted on facebook for an <laughs> ad or a competitor's product in in the states which i had well i was very early into my research so this just popped up and i was like this is fantastic and then they have customer comments on social media that are telling me what people think of their product and they're telling me, they're identifying all these problems that people have with their product. And I'm like, what fantastic market research. Yeah, what brilliant. fantastic social proof. Uh, so, yeah, just I think the internet's marvelous. <laughs> We're definitely in the right industry. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. All right. So, uh, B. Brand. So, again, uh, competition. You may be coming into the market with a product or service or even your own brand name that uh, could be gen a generic word. So it's difficult to trademark. Now, if you're coming into the market where someone else has done that, oh, seriously, they better watch out. They better watch out for me, that's for sure, because I'm about to hijack their brand, okay? And uh, a generic word uh, could be something like, I use an example in my book, um, they're actually a local company and they're a friend of mine and and uh <laughs> to be honest it's unfortunate that they are in this position but they have such a strong brand that potentially they've bolted their you know any any attack from from other competitors but look it's evolved skateboards right evolve it's a generic term it's a generic generic word it's yeah. not made up like google for example so it's difficult to trademark. They might have a trademark on it, Evolve Skateboards or, or whatnot. I haven't actually looked into it, but I'm just using this as an example. That Evolve word, well, I can effectively go and use that in my own marketing or my own content creation. I can see that word into you know, headings that I create for articles or, or videos or content that I create and therefore be, being highly competitive and being discovered by people who are already engaged with that brand mm. you know, as an alternative just simply by organic, not even having to target it via a, uh, a bit more of a sneaky method like yeah, yeah. Google ads, you know, seeding their keyword into my Google ads. Yes, I'm going to come up for their brand name. But what if I've actually got something in, in organic as well? 
you know, that means I can come at it from, from, from multiple angles. And uh, look, that's the, I guess that's the strategist in, you know, in me and, and, uh, and using, you know, the likes of, you know, the art of war, for example, and, and tactics, you know, you, mm. you can flank them. <laughs> you know, you, you, there is possible ways where you can use guerrilla style marketing to actually get in there and, and, and dominate your competitors. Mm. Yeah, very good. Very good. All right. Yeah. And E. E. So E is for expression. So for, high, for a highly competitive landscapes, how are you going to express your, your products and benefits and, and, and features uh, in terms of the medium that you choose? So oftentimes in, in, you know, in the market, we've got, uh, you know, we could, we could have the search. I, I use Google as a big example because it is a perfect indicator to indicate how how competitive we are being in the, in the market, how great is our brand. And so in that, in Google search, you've actually got heaps of different mediums that Google allows you to see on their search engine results pages. So copy, graphics, but you know, photographs, video, and even podcasts reveal themselves differently in search. So if we do want to be competitive, then we can express ourselves in a different medium and potentially overtake our competitors because we have video and they don't, for argument's sake. Then you've got traditional media as well. Are they putting out anything in traditional media? You know, if the audience allows for it and they are actually reading newspapers, some of our clients absolutely have a strong newspaper readership. So, so we, we don't discount that. We're like, that's a beautiful segue in, into a way to actually couple that, that medium uh, or traditional media with our online activity. And, and when we do that um, and we meet multiple audiences in the market, we tend to see big impacts for our clients. Yeah, I remember when digital, when people dropped print ad advertising there, when di digital really started to take traction, get traction, and there was a vacuum in print, and which meant you, meant you were buying uh, advertising space so cheap because they had, a, they had an abundance of it. Supply was down, and uh, sorry, demand was down, so supply was up. And people were crushing it still because it didn't mean it wasn't working. It's just people got attracted or, uh, yeah, attracted to the, the new shiny object and absolutely disregarded that print, the print side of things. My caveat here is that, that it's, all, it's always an asset though. Mm. And assets increase in value over time. So the traditional media that I choose, like I will be my go-to every time, will be the one that's actually got a print version and an online version. Yeah, very good. And, and that online version is potentially not blocked by a paywall so that people can access this content forever in a day and I can leverage the SEO benefits for it for, forever in a day. Building assets, you know, they build in value over time. So other assets, you know, might be brochures or books, for example, you know, those the physical assets that, you know, they do build in value over time because more and more people read them and then more and more people want them, mm. uh, potentially. So I'm, I'm hopeful of that one myself. So. <laughs> Time will tell. Time will tell. Time will so that's, tell. that was yeah. E for expression. So let's just run through the, so our probe analogy, uh, acronym again. Yep. So P is phrase. Determine the keyword or yep. search phrase. R is for right now. How, how do we exist in the market right now? Uh, use Google Trends, Innovation Adoption Lifecycle, Blue Ocean Strategy, Value Innovation Canvas. 
Uh, o is for opinion. So does anybody else have an opinion or viewpoint? Search for those case studies, statistics, or, or other people, you know, actually bolstering or, or celebrities bolstering your argument for what it is that you sell. B is for brand. So uh, com a, a competition using a generic keyword or phrase that you can hijack. E is for expression. So express just, do you have to express yourself in different mediums, media, in order to get cut through? Copy, graphics, photographs, video, you know, traditional media, newspaper, articles, brochures, and books. Yeah, beautiful. A very, very comprehensive um, d deep dive into that research piece. It's big, man. It's big. Like Yeah, absolutely. And you find that this can, this is, evolutionary so it actually it, it should run in in parallel to any content marketing campaigns that you're running while we do pro up front you know that is the first thing we have to do we have to dive into the purpose the research and the opportunity the active component cycles every month yeah. but that doesn't mean we're not updating our purpose research and opportunity no you know, with insights that we're gaining during our marketing. No, of course, because the market shifts, it evolves, it changes, you know. And then a pandemic hits and you've got to, oh, yes. you've got to spin on your head and not go, whoa, that content strategy that we had in place, you know, just got totally, you know, pushed back a few mm. months and now we've got to do this. And, it, and, and that just points to the fact that it is critically important to have a, a contextual framework for your marketing, you know, because the content can shift in a heartbeat. But if you've got a framework that you can fall back on, a context framework you can fall back in, like proactive, you can say, all right, well, hang on, let's, that's great. The circumstances have changed. The market's shift. Let's go back. Is our purpose still consistent? Yep, we haven't changed our purpose. We're fulfilling on that. That's excellent. And so on and so forth. It's really good, man. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. Thanks. And I didn't even have to pay you to say that. No, that's right. <laughs> Checks in the mail. <laughs> the um, <clears throat> Let's have a look at the, the rest just very quickly. Um, again, for those that didn't catch episode 30, the O and the active piece. Yep, so pro, so purpose, research, opportunity comes next. So what is the opportunity in the market? That's the insight that you've created through all of the research that you've just done. Then we dive into A is the audience. So your audience can shift, you know, depending on the content that you're writing. You know, it's going to appeal, <clears throat> excuse me, it's going to appeal to different markets. Um, so, you know, you might have three different ideal clients that you have to appeal to in order to basically create sales, right? Um, so it could be, if you just did it on demographics alone, it could be an elderly market, a middle age and a young, you know? Um, then we have C, which is content. So create the content. T, turn it on. You got to distribute it. You got to put it out there somewhere. It's no good sitting sitting on your laptop. Uh, I ignite it. You have to pay to amplify this stuff. Organic reach is gone. It's gone on practically on every channel. LinkedIn is I can see is slowly starting to wind things back a little. I mean, it's it's not a hundred percent evident. If it's actually environment related, i.e. COVID, people have just tuned out altogether, or if if actually the organic reach on LinkedIn is actually, you know, um, starting to, you know, uh, get a little bit little bit choppy, and we're heading heading down the same road as Facebook, which is highly likely that everything you want to get reach has to be paid uh, for on your company pages. So that's ignite, pay to distribute, pay. 
pay to see it in advertorials, you know, pay to pay to email it, pay to SMS it, for example. You could uh, you could have you could have ignite also be invest too by the sound of it. You know, like it's that it is that investment. It's investing. You're absolutely in. right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. I won't charge you for that. No worries. Uh, I'll stick with ignite. Thanks, just in case. <laughs> um, <laughs> so V verification and validation, man. Like most important step out of everything. If you're not actually measuring what it is that you're doing and the output and the performance, and then you're operating in a vacuum, right? Mm. You, you know, you think you're doing all this amazing stuff. I'm a legend. Wait a minute. Uh, none of it's working. Yeah, no one knows about you. <laughs> but the verification that you've actually implemented all these steps is is extremely important. Yeah. Unfortunately, we have had the benefit of failure in this business, and or fortunately, and and so verification and validation become a, our our most critical step to ensure that we were implementing our method 100% every time for clients. And there has been times when some of those steps didn't happen. And uh, that that was years ago, and thankfully that is behind us. So we have that V verification validation step to ensure that we're doing the work and the outcomes are positive or we need to pivot mm. the strategy slightly. E is for evolve. Everything re requires tweaking. So you know, uh, before, well, for a few years, I would use test, measure, improve, grow. You know, that simple step, actually, those simple steps actually work really well in the evolve step. So everything you put out is actually a test. 100%. Effectively, it is. <laughs> and so then you measure it. Okay, we tweak it, improve it, we evolve it. And, uh, and then we, we see growth and we have fantastic graphs that, that show when we continually evolve our our content and continually be proactive in pushing out that content, that organic traffic to that piece of content we created months or years ago grows organically, therefore becoming an awesome asset, you know, for Google search results. Yeah, that's awesome, Chris. And it reminded me of a time when I first started in business and I started to, you know, understand marketing or, or study marketing to obviously work with my, my companies at the time. And one of the quotes that came out of it was the only marketing genius is the market itself. hundred percent. Just keep testing and measuring. It will tell you what it's, what it needs, what it wants. And um, yeah, it's brilliant, man. Brilliant. All right. So for those that are watching or listening, how that would like to get in contact with you, uh, what's the best method of doing that? Look, I'm on LinkedIn uh, forward slash Chris Hoag's. And uh, also on Instagram, poor slash Chris Hogs. If, uh, if you don't understand why it's Hogs, it's because Chris Hogan is taken. Yeah, quite simple, really. <laughs> and, my nick and my nickname is Hogs. Is often yeah, Hogs. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, and then obviously our website, memedia.com.au. Uh, you can see our own podcast series yes. there. Give and, it a plug, uh, which is? While it has take taken a bit of a hit. Well, it's, we, we codenamed it Get Backed Up many years ago. Uh, and uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's still going. We're in a hundred and something episode, uh, but it has taken a bit of a hit due to this year and events that we, <laughs> I'm actually standing in, in my studio, which is in total disarray yeah. because we got flooded in February. Just uh, to add some more madness <laughs> to the equation. So, um, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic, right? But, uh, you know, thanks to the likes of Zoom, we can do stuff like this. And, and, and uh, mate, we've, been, we've been really busy, so it has, it has taken a bit of a backseat. But uh, 
but there is a, there is a, a truckload of gold on Get Fact Up. So I mean, there's, how many say hundred and how many episodes? Seventeen or something. I don't know. 117 episodes so get on it it's on youtube uh yeah. it's on it's on youtube spotify soundcloud oh uh, yeah yeah we've got the or, podcast all up across everything now yeah awesome, whereas we were awesome. only doing video once upon a time so yeah yeah oh mate great work thanks for, for being on the show thanks for sharing your wisdom and marketing genius or gold um obviously you've got the book coming out at some stage in the future are there are there pre-orders available not yet no not yet. i'm doing i'm doing a a final edit uh, before sending it to the editors to get their viewpoint on it as well. And uh, then it goes out for review, uh, make it next week's, and then hopefully go to publish. So it's a process that I've been unaware of until uh, this year. Uh, and uh, no, it's, it's, it's thoroughly enjoyable. Yeah, great, man. Thanks for being on the show, Chris. No worries. Thanks for having me, Simon. Legend as always. Thanks, bud. Thank you for listening to the Zen Business Podcast. Wherever you are right now in the world, I'm grateful for your time, for your attention, and for allowing my guests and I to be part of your day. Please like, comment, or share if you feel moved to do so. And if you'd like to match faces with voices, you can jump over to our YouTube channel where you can find all of the episodes that we have filmed so far. Thank you once again, and until next time, stay safe, be kind, and enjoy the now.